Good morning. Today is Wednesday, September 23rd, 2020. There's a paragraph of Tehillim that we say every morning in our prayers, in our davening, Psukhati Zimra, which is the uh, introductory section of the morning service, Psalm 148. And the simple meaning of this psalm is that it's divided into two parts. So it starts, Hallelujah, Hallelujah, meaning praise God, Hallelujah, Hashem in Hashemayim, praise God from the heavens, Hallelujah, praise God from the heights, Hallelujah, all his angels praise him. All the stars, the sun, and the moon, all the heavenly abodes, praise God. That's the first part of the psalm. Then, in the middle, we have a second part, which starts, Praise God from the earth, and uh, fire, and uh, snow, praise God, and wind, praise God through doing God's will, and the mountains and the valleys praise God, and the trees, and the kings of the earth, and uh, young men and young women, and older people and young people, younger people, everything on earth praises God. So the simple meaning of the psalm is that it's in two parts. The first part is about praising God from the spiritual beings, from heaven, from the angels. And then the second part is praising God from the earth, people and everything in the world. Okay, that's a simple understanding of it. Rav Chaim of Volazhin was a, a very important 19th century scholar and commentator, and he explains this psalm in a different way that is quite startling. And he says that the first line of the psalm praise God from heaven, praise God from the heights, also refers to human beings praising God. And he says as follows, This requires that we imagine that we have transcended our physical estate, we have transcended our physical state to ascend to the heavens, bereft of every physical pleasure or dimension, intent only on serving God in imitation of the angels who are pure spiritual beings. So according to Rav Chaim Volazhin, the line, praise God from the heavens, refers to us saying, we should praise God as if we are in heaven, as if, as if we are purely spiritual angelic beings. So, that's a very interesting and important insight into prayer in general, that we should strive that prayer for us should be an unworldly experience. It is as if when we pray, we are not physical beings, but rather we are angels. We separate ourselves from our own physicality and the physicality of the world. It's as if we uh, don't want the distraction of 
our own physicality or the physicality of, of this world. And when we pray, especially the Amidah, the standing prayer, we are communing with God, meaning our soul, our spiritual soul, communes, communicates directly with and is in contact with God. Now, there is another model for praising God that I plan to discuss tomorrow night, Thursday night at the class at 8 p.m. But let's discuss this approach because this is a very important aspect, I would say uh, a predominant aspect to prayer. And that means that um, we try to achieve this all year, every day. Uh, that's why we say this paragraph of Psalms at the beginning of the service every single morning, that we try uh, to be able to reach this state as if we are spiritual beings praising God when we stand in prayer. Though we should try to achieve this, we strive to achieve this all year long, in fact, this is a central aspect of our prayers on Yom Kippur in particular. Many of the practices that we have on Yom Kippur are intended for us to feel and to appear before God not as physical humans, but as purely spiritual beings. For example, Many of us have the custom on Yom Kippur to wear white. Some men wear a white garment called a kittel. Some women dress in white clothing. And there are a couple of different reasons for that. But one of them is to appear angelic, to appear otherworldly, not physical. There are uh, many of us that have the practice that we stand for long sections of the Yom Kippur prayers, often standing with our feet together, which, as we've discussed before, is meant for us to imitate the way that an angel would appear, if it could be translated into physical form, standing with our feet together like angels. And there are a number of other examples of observances and practices on Yom Kippur that are meant for us to feel like and to appear in God's eyes as if we are purely spiritual beings, not physical beings on Yom Kippur. But I want to just uh, point out one more in particular. The clearest example that demonstrates this, and this is a really important aspect to how we appreciate Yom Kippur and our mood and our emotions on Yom Kippur relates to the practice of fasting on Yom Kippur. We don't eat, we don't drink. It's a 25-hour fast. Obviously, someone who is sick should get guidance on what to do. We don't want to endanger anyone's health, but under normal circumstances, we fast. Now, there is one fast day in the Torah, Yom Kippur, and there is one fast day that is rabbinically commanded, that is also a 25-hour fast with many of the same observances of Yom Kippur, but it is rabbinic, and that is Tisha B'Av, the ninth day of Av. Outwardly, 
the observance of Tisha B'Av, the ninth of Av, which commemorates the destruction of the temple, and Yom Kippur, outwardly, the observance is very similar. No eating or drinking for 25 hours. Several of the other observances are also identical. But notwithstanding how closely they resemble each other outwardly, in fact, the two days could not be more different from each other in inner reality. And the access point to seeing the difference between those two days and to being able to appreciate the true significance of Yom Kippur, according to the Rambam, is to look at the difference between the meal we serve before the fast starts. For both of these days, before Tisha B'Av and before Yom Kippur, the meal before the fast begins is called, has the same name, Su'uda Hamafsekes. Literally, Su'uda Hamafsekes means the meal that differentiates, the meal that causes a distinction. It's the last meal before we start to fast. So it's the meal that indicates the ending of eating and the beginning of fasting. Su'uda Hamafsekes. Notwithstanding the fact <clears throat> that it has the same name and it occurs in relationship to the fast day at the same time, these two meals could not be more different. Before Tisha B'Av, before the ninth of Av, when we have this Su'uda Hamafsekes, this last meal before the fast, we sit on the ground, we eat bread, we eat hard-boiled eggs dipped into ashes. It's a meal of mourning, which is appropriate to beginning Tisha B'Av, which is a day of mourning and sadness, commemorating destruction and tragedy. The meal before Yom Kippur, this year on Sunday afternoon, also called Su'uda Hamafsekes, is a Yom Tov meal. It's a holiday meal. It is a celebratory meal. We get dressed up in our Yom Tov clothes. There are candles on the table. There's challah. We have a Yom Tov, a holiday atmosphere. The meal is should be plentiful and delicious and celebratory. Now, there are a couple of reasons for the difference between these two meals. But one of the differences, again explained by Rambam, Maimonides, and others, is that on Yom Kippur, we don't want to be hungry. <laughs> I know that sounds kind of ironic. If you don't want to be hungry, so you should eat and drink. No, but it is a fast day. But the goal is not to be hungry. We don't want to be hungry. So, we eat a big meal just before the fast starts to minimize our discomfort on Yom Kippur. However, on Tisha B'Av, the ninth of Av, feeling miserable is part of the day. It's a day of sadness. It's a day of mourning. It's a day of tragedy. We're supposed to feel miserable. And therefore, there's no... The, the, the meal just before Tisha B'Av is not meant to make fasting any easier. Now, yes, it is true. You can eat as much as you want 
on the on before Tisha B'Av, before you get to that Su'udah Hamav Sekes, you don't act. We're not actually required to go into the fast day starting out hungry. But the what is ritualized in this meal is not a way to avoid feeling hungry and miserable on Tisha B'Av because that is part of the observance of Tisha B'Av, and that demonstrates the essential difference in the purpose and goal of fasting on those two days. On Tisha B'Av, on the ninth of Av, we fast, we abstain from food and drink because we're mourning, because we're sad, because we're commemorating destruction. But that's not correct on Yom Kippur. On Yom Kippur, the goal of not eating and drinking is to be less physical, to be less human, to be more like angels who do not require physical sustenance, to be on a higher spiritual level, to appear to ourselves and before God as purely spiritual beings. That's the reason that we do not eat and drink on Yom Kippur. And a good way to think about this, this model for fasting on Yom Kippur, as opposed to Tisha B'Av, think about Moshe at the top of Mount Sinai. The Torah describes that Moshe went to the top of Mount Sinai for 40 days in order to receive the Torah directly from God. And the Torah tells us during those 40 days, Moshe did not eat and did not drink. He wasn't fasting because he was sad, because he was a mourning, God forbid. On the contrary, Moshe was, during that time at the top of Mount Sinai, a purely spiritual being, communing directly with God. And that's why he was removed from his own physicality at that time. At that time, Moshe reached the level of Halu es Hashem min Hashemayim. He was able to praise God as if he was in heaven, as if he was an angelic being. And that is the level that we try to reach on Yom Kippur. We try to reach that same state on Yom Kippur, be transcending our physical state like an angel. So through not eating and not drinking and through the other practices of Yom Kippur, we try to reach the level of Moshe at the top of Mount Sinai for the same reason, in order to appear to ourselves and to appear before God as purely spiritual beings. Yom Kippur is probably the closest we can get to achieving in our prayers this goal in this Psalm number 148, Halu es Hashem we try to praise God as if we are in heaven, as if we are angels. I hope for you and I hope for me that this Yom Kippur, wherever we are, whatever else we're doing, we also have the opportunity to try to achieve this level of becoming as if we are angels. I wish you all a great day and I look forward to seeing all of you soon in person.